Tonight, as we come to the end, would you go with me to the beginning? In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had partaken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, verse 8 records and says that they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Here's the question. Today for July, it's been unseasonably cool and comfortable. We've spent this day walking amongst God's creation in a cool of a day, so to speak. And I believe the question that was asked then is as valid as it is today, the valid then is now. Where art thou? Where are you? As we come to the end of this gospel meeting, this time of a revival to faithfulness, where are you? As we think about that word revival, a revival to faithfulness, we talked about that Sunday morning. We took a spiritual self-examination Sunday morning. We looked at some things that challenge faithfulness of people, such as the idea of legalism. And dealt with that subject and a plan for faithful youth. I looked over to my left tonight and saw this pew full of young men. And I thought, I need a picture of that. And take that back to my girls at Eastside and tell them in about 10 to 12 years we'll see what we can do. (laughs) But we talked about a plan for faithful youth last night. We spent time talking about God's plan for us as we look at a revival to faithfulness of having the mind of Christ in dealing with hypocrisy. So we've been dealing all week long with a revival to faithfulness. May I ask you a question? Where are you? Where are you tonight? That word revival is a great word. The denominational world has not cornered that word. It's found several times in the Scripture. One of my favorite texts is Psalm 85, 6. Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? The idea of revive is to make alive again, or to make alive, or even to keep alive. Where are you? Number one, where are you? Are you in the keep alive status in the garden, in the world? Are you continuing to keep alive? Have you used this week, these four days, as a revival to faithfulness to keep you living? Peter calls us living stones. 1 Peter chapter 2. We are a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. We live the life by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us, Galatians 2.20. Where are you? Are you living a life and are you keeping alive? And has this week kept you alive and revived you each time we've assembled together? That you are renewed and ready 
that you can stand fast in the faith, to be strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Have you grown in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? 2 Peter 3, verse 18. Are you at the point in your life to where we're thankful like Paul in Philippians 3, 13 and 14? One of my favorite texts that says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Still got a ways to go, Paul said. But this one thing I do, I forget the things which are behind me, and I press toward those things that are before me, and I press toward or reaching forth unto those things. I press toward... For the prize, for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Where are you? Are you still thankful that this week revived you to remain faithful to the Lord until you take your last breath or until the Lord returns? You see, there are Christians who are striving to live faithful, who confess their sins knowing that He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins as we note in 1 John chapter 1 in verse 9. How can that happen? Back up to verse 7. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. He's writing there to the Christian. 1 John 1 verse 9 is not a passage to the one who is not a Christian because they've had yet to put on their Lord in baptism. That's a passage for the Christian. 1 John 1 9. Would you also consider with me the song that Doug just led us? Have you noticed how that song builds? You know, Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Songs instruct, songs teach. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Oh man, I had to turn to it. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 15 through 21, the text right there of verse 18, to where backsliding Israel, that God through Isaiah is pleading with them. And he lets them know, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. First 40 chapters of the book, he warned them and told them, you're going into captivity. But the last 27 chapters of the book, he reminds them that God will deliver you. And God will always be there for his remnant. And the second stanza of that song, you see a plea to one who is not a Christian. And then the third stanza of the song, you see the plea to the one who is a Christian. One who has allowed sin to cover their life. May I ask you one more time, where are you? Are you kept alive this week? Renewed with a strength, with a vigor, with a love to serve the Lord and to press onward from right here at this very place. It's been a revival to faithfulness. May I ask you a second question? I'm still going to borrow the where art thou, but may I ask you a second question? Where are you? Do you need to be made alive? See, we just talked about those that are to be kept alive, who are Christians, who are the faithful, who are pressing onward. May I ask you, where are you? Do you need to be made alive? Which means right now you're dead in trespasses and sins. Paul told that to the Ephesian brethren in Ephesians chapter 2 beginning with verse 1. You hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. 
The Ephesian brethren one time were dead in trespasses and sins. And as we noted the other night, they were saved by grace through faith when they heard the sweetest message, believed it, both of those in Ephesians 1.13. They understood repentance, Acts chapter 20. They understood confession, Acts chapter 19. And they understood baptism, Acts 19.5. So where are you? Are you needing to be made alive tonight? I don't know any other way to say it. Some wish to ridicule, but you're ridiculing God. You're not ridiculing me. But if there's another way to express God's scheme of redemption through the cross of Christ, I'd like to find it. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, I have to hear something in order that I may understand it and believe it. I can't understand something or believe something that I've never heard before. I've got to understand some things. With Jesus in Matthew 15 verse 10 taught, Jesus said before He began that teaching, Hear and understand. In Romans 10 14, Paul asked, How shall they hear without a preacher? But then in Romans 10, 17, he tells us how faith is arrived. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That is through the Word of God that we hear, we understand, and we from the Word of God have faith in God. Yes, Romans chapter 1 reminds us of how the creation and all that God has brought forth can bring forth faith in a man. But ladies and gentlemen, not to be funny, but I've never seen a tree teach and convert someone to the gospel. I've never seen a bush convert somebody. The only bush that made a difference was the one burning in front of Moses. But when you and I take the unadulterated Word of God and hear and understand its teaching that we may believe, then I understand faith is important. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not faith only that saves. If faith only and alone saved, might I submit to you that we're going to be spending time in eternity with the devils because James 2.17 tells us that the devils believe, yet they tremble. There were those that believed in Christ, John 12.42 and 43 but they did not confess Him, lest they be cast out of the synagogues. Faith alone wasn't going to save them. Have you ever stopped to think faith alone could not save Saul? On the road to Damascus, in Acts 9, when you and I see Christ appearing to Saul, and He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? What was the question Saul asked him? Who art thou? Lord. The Lord told him what he needed to do. Ananias met him in the city and instructed him what to do. There's no doubt Paul believed, but the belief alone wasn't enough. On the day of Pentecost, did you ever think that they did you ever think about they believed? But they asked a question past their faith. They believed they were believing Jews. 
They were there at Pentecost because they were faithful Jews. Why? They were holding the feast. But when they heard the message of Peter and the apostles, and they were pricked in their heart, men and brethren, what shall we do? They have no doubt of their belief, but they need to make a change. And that's when Peter comes back with the first words of his reply in Acts 2.38, Repent. Folks, we've got to understand repentance. You see, we can hear it and understand it. That moves us to our faith. But will our faith move us to change? There's the beauty of repentance. Jesus taught it and commanded it in Luke 13, 5. Even said it earlier in Luke 13, 3. Repentance is that word that means a change of decision which results in a change of direction based upon one's faith and one understanding. Had a situation happen at Eastside several months ago. It was after service one night, and there was a, one of our little fellows was sitting on the front row. You could say that he had responded. And I went over to him, and I called his name. And he looked up at me, and he said, Mr. Jeff, and I said, yes. He said, I'm in time out. You know, that never worked for us as kids. Time out was what we called to keep mama from whipping us. And it never worked. Real side note, we were some of the dumbest youngins in the world. Mama would get a switch. I'd have on thick blue jeans. And she'd go to swap me with that switch. And what did I do? Stuck a bare hand back there to block it. Dumb kid. Dumb kid. (laughs) But I looked at him and he said, I'm in time out. I said, are you in trouble? Yes, sir. Are you sorry? Yes, sir. Are you willing to repent? Do you know why that little fellow didn't answer me, folks? He didn't know what repent meant. He's only about four or five. He didn't know what repent meant. He didn't know what that word means. Will he learn it one day? Yes, he will. He'll understand it. But see, he didn't know what that meant. You see, that's where repentance needs to be understood. Needs to be understood clearly that it's a change of decision which turns into a change of direction. You know, a person that fails to repent, you can baptize them and folks, you're just going to put down a dry center and bring up a wet center if the person fails to repent. Hey, if the person even fails to believe. You can baptize an atheist. Once again, you put down a dry atheist, bring up a wet atheist. These are all things that God brings forth in His Word to hear and understand. Where are you? Do you need to be made alive? Stay with the plan. When we hear and we understand and we believe it, we embrace that faith. And that faith brings forth a change of direction. I can't live like this anymore. I'm not going to live this way anymore. There's got to be a better life than this. That will bring a person to make the sweetest confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Just like the eunuch in Acts 8.37, the command of Christ in Matthew 10.32, the exhortation of Paul in Philippians 2.11. The tongue confesses, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Where are you? Do you need to be made alive? 
But then there's one more. When that person is baptized into Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, you can take the Bible. You can take your iPhone. You can even go to BibleGateway.com. Put it in there and you'll never find it. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know a person cannot hear themselves into Christ? Do you know nowhere in the Bible can a person believe himself or herself into Christ? Do you know you can't repent yourself into Christ? You can't confess yourself into Christ? Somebody says, whoa, preacher, what about Romans 10, 9, and 10? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Preacher, what about that? Number one, the Scripture doesn't say you can confess yourself into Christ. And watch the use of simple words. With the heart man believeth unto salvation or unto righteousness. He's not there yet. And with the mouth he confesses unto salvation. He's not there yet. He's on the road, but he's not there yet. Somebody says, well, now, I don't know, preacher. My church doesn't teach it that way. Ladies and gentlemen, let's stop worrying more about what churches teach and let's get back to what the Bible teaches and that's what churches should be teaching. It's what the Bible has to say. When it gets right down to it, folks, it doesn't matter what a church may say. It doesn't matter what an earthly headquarters may say. It doesn't matter what a preacher might say, what an elder might say. It doesn't matter what any of us says. What does the Bible say? That's it. And the Bible says that when people were saved in the New Testament, it took the waters of baptism based upon... One's faith, one's understanding of that faith, one's repentance, one's confession, and baptism. None of faith, repentance, confession, you can't do that into Christ. But baptism puts us into Christ. Two verses back it up. Galatians 3.27, Romans 6, 3-6. That's what puts us into Christ. On the day of Pentecost, when they received His Word and they were baptized, Acts 2, 41 and 42, the Bible says they were added to the church daily, such as should be saved, Acts 2, 47. Baptism washes away sins. That's Acts 22, 16. Somebody says, well, I don't believe that. Well, take it up with Saul. Take it up with Paul. He said it. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. Somebody says, oh, wait a minute, preacher. That for the remission of sins means because my sins were remitted, I'm baptized. Oh, it does. May I ask you to consider Matthew 26.28, to where Jesus took the cup, gave it to his apostles, and said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Did he partake the cup because the blood had already been shed? Ladies and gentlemen, he was alive when he was talking. He was hours away from dropping the first shedding of his blood on Calvary. 
and the same phrase for the remission of sins in Acts 2.38 is the same phrase for the remission of sins in Matthew 26.28. Ladies and gentlemen, there will not be a sin forgiven unless one is baptized into Christ, putting the old man into the water, burying him and raising him to walk in newness of life. Romans 6, 4 through 6. And baptism will add one to the church. Where are you? Do you need to be made alive? And that is the beginning of a new creation in Christ. That's when life begins. That's when the faithful walk begins. One is revived, made alive in Christ because we were dead in trespasses and sins. Ladies and gentlemen, somebody may want to ridicule and carry on. All we can do is speak what the Bible speaks and to stand clearly with it, and that way we know we're not wrong. Where are you? Do you need to be made alive tonight through your faith, a repentant heart, confessing Jesus as the Son of God, and be buried with Him in the waters of baptism this very evening. Can I share something else with you in love and grace? Do you know in the New Testament, when there were those to be baptized into Christ, do you know they did not wait? They didn't wait. Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, and that many that received His Word were baptized, and watch it now, that same day there was added unto them about 3,000 souls. Same day. How about in Acts chapter 10 or Acts 16 with the Philippian jailer? He washed their stripes that night and was baptized he in his straightway. See, that's not something that you delay. That's not something that you wait. I told, I told Gavin I wasn't going to talk about him tonight, so let me just say this. The young man that obeyed the gospel last night. We did not tell him, you wait until Brother Jeff gets done preaching. Brother Chad, Brother Matt, was he ready? Why should we wait? We don't wait. We don't wait. Where are you? Do you need to obey the gospel tonight? Let me tell you something else that's sweet about obeying the gospel of Christ. You're a new creation in Christ, and you're added to the church. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know we're not going to vote on you? Do you know we're not going to give you our approval whether you can be, whether you can join the church of Christ? We don't need to give our approval where God has already granted the redemption through Christ. And when you're added to the church... You're not added to a denominational body. Somebody asked me once, they said, Jeff, what denomination do you preach for? I said, actually, I'm pre-denominational. You'd have thought they had a heart attack. They'd never heard that term, pre-denominational. Let me ask you something, folks. If we're a member of the church that we read of in the New Testament, what denomination were we added to? We were not added to a denomination. And the church we read of in the New Testament is the pre-denominational body of Christ before denominations came into existence. Now, let me ask a question. What do I want to base my hope and trust in what? 
a denomination I can't find in the Bible or the church that I can read of in the Bible. You can make your call. But I would rather be a member of that church that I read of in the Bible because I see it's there from God. And I don't have to wonder, where are you? Do you need to be made alive tonight in obedience to the gospel? May I give you a third one? Where are you? In a revival to faithfulness, where are you? Are you one that's kept alive this week, faithful, pressing onward? Are you one that needs to be made alive to become a Christian? Or are you one that needs to be made alive again? That means a person that once obeyed the gospel, faithful for a period of time, but then the world has a way of coming in and taking on you and I. The world has a way to steer us away from the faithfulness of Christ. And it starts very subtle. It starts to where maybe a Wednesday night attendance is not that important. Maybe a gospel meeting time is not that important. Preacher, I'll catch you Sunday. I'll catch you back Wednesday. But i got other things to do. It starts very subtle. And the next thing you know, we miss that individual here. We miss that individual there. And then we look around. And a week goes by. Two weeks goes by. Three weeks goes by. And we don't see that individual. Slowly they begin to turn away. It's something of the world. Maybe it's other people. But they have failed to be revived in their lives. And they need to be made alive again. Somebody says, Preacher, you're sounding like a person can fall from God's grace. May I quote you around Galatians 5, 4? Latter part warned them if they walked away from the faith, they had fallen from grace. Can I give you another one? How about Hebrews 3, 12? Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you, brethren, Christians, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You had to be somewhere before you depart from it. In the morning, I am going home to Cleveland. To get home to Cleveland, I'm going to have to depart from Portland. When I get home to Cleveland, there's going to be one thing concluding. I had to depart from Portland to get there. When that warning is given to Christians there in Hebrews 3.12, in departing from the living God, you've got to be with the living God first in order to depart from Him. And there's the warning. One of the most grotesque scriptures I can imagine And if any of you have ever owned a dog, you can understand that scripture. Even if you hadn't and you've seen one, chances are in a long lifetime. To where Peter speaks of those who were once obedient. But then they go back into the pollutions of the world. And he quotes that old proverb. It's like a dog returning to his vomit again. And the sow that was washed... Returning and wallowing in the mire. A person that would go back into the world. Peter even said it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turn from the holy commandment. That's a scary thing. 
We're reminded it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God, Hebrews 10.31. Therefore, as one, as a child of God, I need to ask myself, where am I? Am I needing to be made alive again? So what do you have, ladies and gentlemen, when you put it all together? A revival to faithfulness challenges us all to either remain faithful to our Lord, to continue to walk faithful for Him every day of our lives, that this week has been a week to revive us, to help us, that we may press onward in the work of the Lord, a revival to faithfulness, to keep us keeping on. Or have you found yourself, I need to obey the gospel. Someone says, you know, preacher, I... I was baptized as an infant, but you're saying some things from the Bible that that doesn't meet my salvation. Preacher, you're bringing up some things from the Bible. Look, I was baptized, but to be honest, I was baptized about three weeks later. Preacher, you're bringing up something. I And then we look at those scriptures and we see them and they're wide open. And I've seen people with light bulbs come on in their eyes saying, being reminded of one guy, why did nobody ever tell me that before? In all love and grace, you need to be made alive tonight. Here's the time we've looked at it. Here's what the Bible has to say. And if you're not a Christian, you definitely don't want to delay that. You want to come tonight and respond in that simple faith and repent and confess Christ and to be baptized into Christ and be, yes, be added to His church. Preacher, you mean not added to a denomination? You got that right. Added to the church we read of in the Bible, you got it. The church that Isaiah prophesied of, uh huh. Isaiah two, two and three. The church Jesus promised, Matthew sixteen, eighteen, uh huh. The church Jesus purchased, Acts twenty twenty eight, uh huh. The church that has purpose in the mind of Christ before time began, uh huh. That's Ephesians three, ten, eleven. That's the church. And then someone says, You know, preacher, I've been listening all week. My revival to faithfulness means I need to start over my life again. I was once faithful to the Lord, but here lately, things just haven't been the right thing. Then your revival to faithfulness is to come back and to begin life anew, asking for the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what Simon did in Acts 8, 22 through 24. And that's what James even exhorted. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he will save a soul from death. He'll cover a multitude of sin. A revival to faithfulness. If you kept alive, press on. If you need to be made alive to obey the gospel, tonight's your night. If you need to come back home and get that life renewed, whatever the case may be, we best answer now as we stand and while we sing, will you come?